Hey everybody, welcome back to the Podcast Daily. It is Wednesday and for the first time in several weeks, far too long it's been since we've talked to Ohio State players, they'll be back for their uh, on-campus Peach Bowl Media Day. So we're going to steal a page from Bill and I's Tuesday playbook with some questions that we have for specific Buckeyes who are expected to be available out on this field later on today. Wink. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. So what questions do we have in mind for the Buckeyes? That's what we're going to do. Berm's actually going to be able to join us for this one and offer his two cents. And he has a far more inquisitive mind. Yeah, he sure does. I want to know, first and foremost, if CJ Stroud snubbed Desmond Howard or Mm. if Desmond Howard snubbed yeah, CJ's going to be super excited. I to think Desmond that. kind of wussed out. He like turned, he turned his, back. his back. He didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, he didn't want that smoke. Yeah, he created the smoke. He's a child. <laughs> Point. Um, no, honestly, though, I think the biggest question just about CJ is when he watches Georgia, how do you separate what you saw most of the year versus what they did against Tennessee because they were two completely different mm-hmm. defenses um, for 10 of their games and then a couple when they were playing uh, high-passing teams they went totally different. So how do you pr- know what to expect and how do you prepare for both? I think that's my biggest question for him. Uh, assuming we get to talk to the the, the Heisman finalist, which I, I would imagine we will. I think will. we will. Yeah. No, that's a good question. I found that interesting when I was watching Georgia. Just, I don't think it was a dramatic shift. I don't, I don't want to say it was because I'm not an expert in them, but it was different the way they played yeah. Tennessee and the way they played. That's why LSU had 500 passing yards because they just sort of backed off and let them complete passes until they got to the 20. And they're like, no, you're not going to score now. <laughs> but but against Tennessee, they're like in their face and got after Hendon Hooker. And I'd imagine they'll want to do the same against Ohio State. Pretty different offensive attacks, I think. Not, not too similar, but I think the idea is, is similar in that they want to, you know, make their way with the passing game. So that, that will be interesting. I want to uh, hope, hopefully we get to talk with Luke Whipler um, about Jalen Carter, like just about facing a guy. Who's who's that talented? Like sort of like larger than life defensively. I'm trying to think that the last time they've played a a, a guy, a team that had a guy like that up front. Well, I think the if I if I may jump in, if you look at Mozzie Smith and, and Michigan, that was Luke's worst game of the season by yeah. a, a, by a wide margin. So at least you have something to sort of ramp yourself up towards Jalen Carter, who is basically like. Aaron Donald at college football at this point. Like yeah, but he, way bigger. He's in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he's like a man-sized Aaron yeah, Donald as yeah. opposed to just being a regular-sized yeah. person. I, I also think that that's wrapped up before Bill finishes and to who's playing at right guard. And sure. we talked about this on Tuesday. Like, there's just no way that Luke Lippler is going to go one-on-one. And no nobody in the NFL level is expected to do that against Aaron Donald uh, or, you know, previous iterations of mountainous Georgia's <laughs> defensive tackles, which apparently they have an assembly lineup down there. Yeah. So... Some of that is wrapped up in like who's next to him. And Enoch Omahi, I don't think, had his finest game uh, against Michigan. Uh, Josh Fryer, I thought, was pretty solid. But, you know, if Matthew Jones is back, is there more chemistry? Um, you know, I think that's all tied up into one thing. But it is a – they're going to have to handle him. And yeah. Luke Whipple is going to have to play a big part of that. He is. And I, that's what I was going to say. It's not It's not just him. And that creates a interesting dilemma, I think, for Ohio State when it comes to Matthew Jones' availability, which you and I talked about. It's like, okay, he can play. But well, when you're playing a guy like Jalen Carter, is it better to have an experienced, less than 100% Matthew Jones or a less experienced 100% Josh Fryer who might be able to move a little better and deal with all that Jalen Carter presents you? I, I don't know the answer to that. I would probably lean more toward the guy who is healthier than the guy who is experienced. And Josh Fryer has enough experience now, I guess, so you feel okay putting him in there. But it's it's a it's probably where the game, I think, might be won and lost, to be, to be frank. I think if, if Ohio State can protect CJ and he can throw the ball on this defense... 
presumably they score touchdowns then drives, then I think it's a, it's a shootout kind of a game, but Ohio State certainly has a chance. Right. I mean, Georgia sacked Hendon Hooker 10 times. Um, and what, what they, what Tennessee didn't do is adjust on the offensive line. When you're getting that pressure up the middle, you're double teaming a guy and all of a sudden you're losing a guy on the edge. That's why last week I mentioned that I thought Josh Fryer was in the stock report we did last Wednesday, like a really important piece. Cause I think Ohio State is going to have to do a lot of six man offensive line stuff or, or something. To, to counter what Georgia does, because I, I do expect their defense to be a lot like it was against Tennessee. It's not, you know, it's the chess match of uh, media availability. When you're, you don't, you know that they're not going to give the game plan. We're not trying to take their game plan and, and let it go out into the world for Georgia uh, or, or damage Ohio State's prospects for that game. But you, you want to know a good feel for the personnel, how they're planning to account for guys like Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, which was uh, a Herculean task. Uh, those are one of the most one of the most freakishly gifted athletes uh, in college football at tight end, and another who maybe I'm not even saying this right. He's just a genetic freak at it's six like eight. Zion Williamson. So six seven two seventy. Yeah, he they shouldn't be able to do the things that they do, and they a lot of as Bill wrote about at OhioState.Rivals.com on Monday, a lot of what they do is predicated on the success of these two tight ends. So what does Ohio State do to counteract that? I think they have enough personnel. Uh, to do so, I would expect that Lathan Ransom is going to be uh, speaking for the Ohio State secondary first and foremost today. So who else does he expect to be out there? I think Ronnie Hickman late in the year struggled, uh, or at least compared to the standard that he set in the first six weeks. He's obviously has, has to be a big part of that plan. Uh, but, you know, does Josh Proctor you know, with Sonny Styles, we've tried to project which one of those guys may be able to jump in the lineup. Steel Chambers is going to have to be part of that as well. Linebacker, those guys are going to have to be involved. Maybe, you know, Cody Simon. Uh, who knows? I, just to get a better feel for what Ohio State evaluates on film with those tight ends and how they think they may account for it without without saying, whoa, we're going to bracket coverage. You know, <laughs> we're, not, we're not going to do that. Uh, but it would help to maybe, like, how much more equipped is Sonny Styles to play on New Year's Eve if he needs to? That would be a fair question that could get an answer. Yeah, I'm also very interested in knowing how Ohio State's own version of Jalen Carter, as far as Michael Hall is probably the closest thing they have to it, mm -hmm. a guy who can be extremely disruptive as a pass rusher, but also as a run stopper in the middle. I'd like to know, A, is he healthy? Because we don't know if he was or wasn't all year. That's part of the issue we've, we've continued to talk about. But to beat Georgia and to make Bowers and Darnell Washington less effective, you're going to have to get pressure on, on Stetson Bennett up the middle, and it's going to have to be quick. Ohio State has obviously very good defensive ends, um, but if they don't have a push up the middle, Bennett is savvy enough and old enough. He has played in 13 Super Bowls. <laughs> I mean, the guy the guy is old enough to know, step up into the pocket, and, and that's when you find your outlets to, to the running backs like Kenny McIntosh, who are very good pass catchers as well. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the pass rush up the middle for Ohio State needs to be its best, and it needs to be healthy. And so that's really one thing. I just I'm just kind of looking to see how those guys are talking and walking and, and moving around since we haven't seen them in three weeks. Yeah, it's weird we haven't talked to them in, in, in so long. Um, you mentioned Lathan Ransom, Austin. Uh, he's a guy I have in mind, but also, too, like Cameron Brown or Cameron Martinez, like guys who unfortunately found themselves in positions where they made mistakes that were critical against Michigan. Mm -hmm. And just sort of how you bounce back from that. Um, what you learn from it going into a game like this, because teams see that and they're going to try to put you in the same situation and see if they can't score or take advantage of that as well. And, and you know, a guy like Lathan's a really smart player. I think he understands that you're not going to win every single rep. I'm sure Cameron Brown does too. He's played enough football to know that. But on that kind of stage, I, I wonder sometimes if, if those things can, can sit with you for longer maybe than they should. So 
Um, I'm curious and we get a little bit of vibe from guys like that on how they've progressed from those moments. Uh, to varying degrees, I wonder, like, it's a playoff game and everyone will say, well, this is ridiculous. Why, why would you not be properly motivated? And, and I'm not saying that would be the case for any Ohio State player specifically, but there maybe is an element of added motivation if you, uh, you talked about C.J. Stroud and the Heisman and Desmond Howard in two years in a row. He wanted to be, you know, origin story of a villain a year ago. I'm not sure that we've seen him fully uh, em- embrace that sort of mentality yet. Marvin Harrison Jr. not winning the Blitnikoff, which is outrageous in my mind. Does he feel that way? Does he have something more that he feels like he needs to prove on December 31st? Uh, Tommy Eichenberg not even being a finalist. I know he said last month he didn't care about that for the Butkus. Uh, and and maybe, maybe they picked a worthy winner. I, I don't think you can really argue with it, but um, sometimes these guys are highly, highly competitive. And they want to win individual awards. They also want to win a team award. So maybe putting them together, what does that mean for them and, and their approach or their day-to-day throughout this month? We know when we were in here last Sunday that Cade Silver uh, you know, was in here on the Monarch Machine. We'd never seen him do that. That was an off day for him. How many other guys are feeling like they didn't get the credit that they deserve? And with this second chance beyond that uh, for the team, what it means for them individually, I think it's, that could be pretty fascinating. Yeah, I think there's also a a large degree of this being a second chance for Jim Knowles. Uh, in he he failed his biggest test of the year, his really only test of the year at this point, and giving up 550 yards to Michigan and uh, 43 points to Michigan, where you you just can't do that in that game. That that is what legacies at Ohio State are built on. You're going to get a chance to go against a Georgia offense that's much better than people believe it is or think it is because they're talked about so much about their defense. But mm-hmm. um, I'm really interested to see what the the mindset is from the defensive side of the ball. If they're going to come out and be ultra aggressive, if they're going to plan on on playing a little bit more um, secure, you know, co- uh, conservative and and let make Stetson Bennett beat you. I just don't think you're going to be in a position where you are sending the house like he was over and over against Michigan. Um, and I'm just sort of interested to see what maybe these guys will tell us that how the mood has been in practice or if they've seen a shift out of him because those first 11 games are pretty easy for Jim Knowles, and it's yeah he, he received a whole lot of flowers from people for, for those first 11 games, and now you get to the real, the real crux of it, of what it takes to win here at Ohio State and what it takes to really be important here at Ohio State or to, to write – a history that people will remember and you, you have a very weird chance to like remove that quickly. I wonder if I'm in the minority, Bill. I think that Jim Knowles won't take what happened on November 26th and dramatically change his propensity to blitz. Like I think that's part of his DNA. I think that was what Ryan Day wanted from his defensive coordinator was a much more aggressive pr- approach. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he's going to alter it all that much. I don't think you will either. I, I don't. I don't think you want a guy to change who he is or, or what he did to get to this point. Um, there's strategy involved on when to do it, um, but I don't. I, I fully expect an aggressive game plan from Jim Knowles. Um, part of part of it is you, you run a defense like that. You put guys in positions where one thing goes wrong and it's a touchdown. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have to live with that and, and embrace it to a certain extent. Just can't happen five times. Like sure. that's that's part of the players. It's part of the coordinator too to understand like a feel for the game. Like okay, I'm putting these guys in these positions and it's not working. Let's dial it back a little bit. But I don't think he's going to come into the Georgia game thinking that. I think he'll come into the the Georgia game with probably some stuff we've never seen before. Yeah, I think you will see package. a lot more one on one stuff on the corners and putting those guys in that position because you have to. Yeah, yeah. Like not necessarily because you're taking more chances, but because the only way you're going to control the tight ends and the running backs in the passing game is by doing that. So mm-hmm. it just it puts the the onus on Cam Brown, on Denzel Ward or, or Jordan Hancock or who, JK Johnson, whoever else is out there. You just got to tackle. So to Bill's point earlier, like I'm I'm curious as to how much thought these guys have put into what happened in that Michigan game and how easy is it to let that just roll off your back and say yeah. didn't make the plays got to make the plays next time versus oh crap i can't do this i screwed this up the last time i was in there yeah that's i mean i think it's human nature to let that yeah. kind of sit back there a little bit but hope, hopefully there's enough time between that game and this game to play on the 31st or it won't be so much of an issue yeah, that's going to be a fun conversation to have over the next couple of weeks and i think the benefit for jim Knowles is a, a larger body of work and more experience like he was not a he's a first-time ohio state coordinator and he lost the game but he is not a first-time defensive coordinator. He's been doing it for a long time, and you know he will have lost games and had to bounce back from that. And I don't think that you know maybe a younger, more experienced coach in like Ohio State maybe did go through this a little bit with Kerry Combs just recently. Like he'd never been in that seat as a defensive coordinator and struggling like one week from the next to the next. Uh, oh, how much do I need to react? Do I overreact? I don't. Yep. Jim Knowles doesn't strike me as somebody who is an over reactor to situations like that but we'll find we'll find out that's part of the fun of the build-up to the peach bowl on december 31st it's ohio state and georgia in the college football playoff semifinal. Uh, the buckeyes have accepted and they're going to get ready uh, with an on-campus media day in this building later on on wednesday today uh, as you're listening to this we'll have it full have it covered for you we'll have some snap judgments afterwards on the podcast we'll have full coverage at ohiostate.rivals.com And uh, we hope you find it all there and enjoy it. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. See you later.